I want me some glory hope. Hello and welcome to the Football Glory Hole Podcast. We listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, or on iHeartRadio. We thank each and every Glory Hole Seeker for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Bo Stevenson, and I'm joined once again by the resurrected from the dead, Longhorn, here on the sports patio. Longhorn, what's up, buddy? All right, all right. Woo, Bo Cephas, here we go. I am back, baby. That's right. You cannot get rid of Longhorn that easily. You think a, <laughs> you think a little shit in my jorts is going to stop me? I don't fucking think so. Now, I do have to say, I do have to say, you did a fantastic job without me. Uh, a little too good has me worried, but that's all right. We'll we'll deal with that later. <laughs> but let's all face the truth here, people. You want Long- Longhorn on this microphone. You need Longhorn on this microphone. This is how you do your football week. And I promise to never, ever miss another podcast ever in my life, unless of course I'm passed out drunk getting laid, or having a stage five emergency shit fest in my pants. <laughs> now, whether you are here for the funny. It's a quest for fun. I'm going to have fun, and you're going to have fun. We're all going to have so much fucking fun when we need plastic surgery to remove our goddamn smiles. You'll be whistling symphony doodah out of your assholes. Or you are here for the money. Anybody tells you money's the root of all evil doesn't fucking have any. They say money can't buy happiness. Look at the fucking smile on my face. Ear to ear, baby. You have come to the right place. Two questions for you people. Do you like football? What a stupid question that is. What a stupid question. You ask a lot of stupid questions. My apologies, Mr. President. I will do better. Do you like money? I'm a big fan of money. I like it. I use it. I have a little. I keep it in a jar on top of my refrigerator. I'd like to put more in that jar. That's where you come in. That's right, Adam Center. That's exactly where we come in. And we have weekly, monthly, and yearly packages to fit your needs. Go to our website, thefootballglorial.com, and hit us up for those free picks, premium picks, and betting strategies so you can bet football the right way, the winning way, the football glory hole way. Y'all know the drill by now. We will make you laugh. (laughs) We will make you cringe. Holy Santa Claus shit. But most of all, baby, we will make you a shit ton of money. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money! Now, with all that business out of the way, welcome, welcome to the world's number one football capping podcast. Bo Cephas, as always, right here on the sports patio. We got the TVs glowing. We got the beer heavily flowing tonight, and right now it is everybody's unfortunate favorite part of the show. My friend, tell the people all about your horrible, freaking disgusting cold beer hip choice of the week. Well, thank you very much there, sir. Tonight I am drinking a frigid underworld espresso, and it's pronounced espresso, not espresso, you morons. Express. Oh. 
by Hop Sting Brewery in Grapevine, Texas. Very solid beer, three out of five stars, and it's very apropos because, buddy, it is fucking colder than elf nuts and two feet of snow right now, and I'm mm. going to be honest with you, I'm not a fucking fan of it. So, buddy, I say we get the hell out of here and go someplace <laughs> warm. Someplace mm. like fucking Vegas, baby! Yes. We are headed to our second home to try and make some money and stay decently warm. And not only from the sun, but, you know, from some booze and uh, maybe mm. from some female company that we may or may not procure using certain apps, per se. Mm. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Like Amahor or what? Amahor is definitely on the table. I mean, you already know we have our preferences loaded in there, ready to fucking rock and roll to the hotel room. And boys and girls, we are fucking ready to rock and roll. We are going to Vegas. We'll talk about that more later. But right now, we're going to get to the podcast. We're going to the good, the bad, and the hard. Are you fucking kidding me? We're going to go over every NFL game in the divisional weekend in the air tonight. And of course, of course, we're going to get you paid with those free picks as we always do. But right now, we got to get paid. And to do that, here is this week's sponsor. This week's podcast is sponsored by CopperGimmick.com. Have you seen those commercials with those old-ass athletes like Brett Favre and Jerry Rice when they walk onto a football field to play two-hand touch and they're wearing like 19 fucking copper braces all over their body? I can't think of anything more pathetic than seeing two of the best players to ever step foot on an NFL field peddling this geriatric bullshit, but apparently the good people over at CopperGimmick.com are ready to up the ante with their brand new product, the Copper Jockstrap. That's right, finally a ball koozie that will keep your manberries feeling as good as the rest of your old ass body, I guess. So if your spermaries are headed towards the infirmary, just slide this specially made jockstrap on and oh my god, your sugar lumps have never felt so sweet! How does it work, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. The copper jockstrap has an exceptional fit that cradles your ball bag like the right hand of your favorite whore and makes your testes feel their besties all day long. No more saggy old man beanbag for you, my friend, with the copper jocks no nutsack left behind guarantee. If this jockstrap doesn't help your testicles rest of these, just simply return it. Fucking gross. For a full refund, apparently. So visit our friends over at coppergimmick.com today and put in our cohort glory hole for 10% off this teabag rejuvenation celebration. That's coppergimmick.com, code word glory hole for 10% off this horse shit. One more time, coppergimmick.com, code word glory hole. Holy shit, Longhorn, that copper jockstrap sounds like a hell of a product. And buddy, after the weekend that we're about to have in Vegas... I think that we need to pre-order uh, a couple of those because we're not as young as we used to be, and we probably need some support uh, in the genital area uh, after the weekend that we're about to en- endeavor upon. Well, I mean, this is not breaking news to anybody, but Old Longhorn's been supporting his jock with, you know, pocketfuls of Viagra for a long, <laughs> long time. So whether it's copper jock or it's fucking handfuls of Viagra, you know. Potato, potato. (laughs) And now it's time for the good. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, that's just fucking great. That's just fucking great. The bad. This is bad. This is bad. Well, that's fucking not good. And the are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? God damn it. Are you fucking with me?
Alright boys and girls, as always, we start with the good, and the good was us last week. One and one overall to our clients, but Longhorn did hit his teaser that he put out. I went two and two in the player props and the free picks that I put out, but one of the wins was the plus 180 on Big Ben. So overall made money even though going 500. Also hit the Rams minus uh, half a point in the first quarter and the under 24 on the first half of that game. And we both were hitting some live bets, which by the way... We will be doing in Vegas this weekend, so please watch our Twitter feed at TheFootball401K for updates on all of our live bets. We'll be sending out photos and videos of those, so stay tuned and make some money with us this weekend, baby. Yeah, and if you want to like support a, a freedom-fighting social media, you can go to Rumble and, and check out the same stuff there. We'll post them on both. Absolutely. All right, moving on to the bad. Well... The bad last week was obviously our New England pick. We took them plus four, even though they were facing a quarterback who now officially owns them. A little side note to this. In 20-plus years, Longhorn, Belichick had never had an opponent while he was in New England that didn't punt in a game. And now Josh Allen and the Bills have done it two games in a row. So the Belichick mystique definitely cost us money again. But officially, I'm done with that. But what really pisses me off even more than that is the fact that we lost our season total under on them by half a fucking game. That team had no business winning 10 games. If the wind wasn't blowing a 1,000 miles an hour in the first Bills matchup, they would have lost that game too, and we would have won 10 out of our 14 bets. Thanks a lot, Global Warming. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Is that, am I doing that right? Is yeah, that I think that that's right? how it goes. Like, okay. if get, if, well, any weather is global warming as okay. long as it as long as it fits a certain agenda. So awesome. Yeah, but no, that's <laughs> pretty much screwed. That that I I don't know. Do we feel foolish for that pick? Yeah, pretty much. So that's that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Well, you live and you learn, boys and girls, and things change as they change in the NFL, and you either catch up. Or you go broke, and we always catch up, so don't worry about that. But now we move on to the Are You Fucking Kidding And this week, that award belongs to the NFL hypocrisy. Now, I do hate to be the turd in the punch bowl on this whole thing, but we literally went from losing 20 to 25 players a team every week, every week. to COVID, quote-unquote, to zero positive tests as soon as the season went from regular to playoffs. Which, by the way, I'm happy about. And I know we all are happy about that. But if that doesn't scream to anyone paying attention to this whole thing, that it's just been a giant, goddamn, fraudulent show to appease their woke sponsors and every fraud media member on social media who was fear-mongering and putting on, you know, their public theater by bemoaning common sense and, quite frankly, villainizing anyone who actually had the courage to use it. What a fucking sham this whole fucking thing has been. <laughs> uh, Bocephus, that is not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been, it's been a joke. Obviously, you know I could go on and on about that, but I've got my own little are you fucking kidding me, if you don't mind. Um, oh, go ahead. I happened to listen to last week's podcast after I cleaned the shit out of my jorts, and <laughs> you actually, people, 
I did you hear his little grading system on our on our season <laughs> oh, on no. our season picks? Uh, news to me, that's the first I've heard of it last week. <laughs> so we literally he literally graded a game of of with rules and a grading system that I had never fucking heard of. It was a stroke of genius. So t- kudos to you. And are you fucking kidding me? If I could borrow one of your impressions, I don't do it as well as you, but uh, the great Dr. Fauci would say, <laughs> Now, Longhorn, that's what science has said. Yeah. The whole time science has said, three points for exact record, two yeah. points for over-under, and only one point for division winner, because it's obviously the easiest one to call. It's science. Yeah, well, I can't argue with science itself, so... <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to you, sir. <laughs> happening here what is happening what the fuck just happened oh you know what's happening it's time for all those wins coming in the air tonight baby All right, boys and girls, time for you all been waiting for a time for go over every NFL game in the air tonight. This is divisional weekend, baby. It, this is historically the best football of the entire season as far as the matchups go and as far as uh, general competition. However, I will put this disclaimer out there, and then this is not for division. This is just playoffs overall. And this kind of hit me like a ton of bricks, but... In the past three NFL postseasons, teams that have won their playoff game straight up are also 27-3 and ATS. Mm. So that is a big kick in the nuts for some of the games that you're looking at, maybe the underdog covering and the favorite also winning. But I will caveat that with this. This is also historically some of the shortest numbers we have ever seen in the divisional round. So... It's kind of two entities working itself. It's basically a market correction. These numbers are shorter than we generally particularly see. Uh, I remember two years ago we had Tennessee plus 10 at Baltimore, and we said Tennessee was going to win outright, and they did. We don't have a spread anywhere close to that this week. So just keep that in mind. That's a huge number and spread or trend to look at. But, again, we're looking at some historically short numbers. But we're going to go ahead and kick it off. We're going to try to go in chronological order. I got the, I got that word right this week. All right. Good start. Nailed Tennessee it. and those Titans hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. And they're three and a half point home favorites. Three and a half, baby. Three and a half. Okay, so I'm glad we're starting in chrono- chronological order. See, uh, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. Chronological, chronological, chronological. Suck it. 
I'm I'm fucking off, <laughs> I'm off a week vacation. I am just firing on all cylinders, baby. Um, look, this is the game that I feel the best about, and it kind of scares me because it's like fucking game one. Like you said, we're gonna be in Vegas. We're gonna be fucking betting. We're gonna have fucking so many tickets in our hand. We probably we'll probably be dropping them out of our out of our fingers and all of our billfold. Um, but I will be tying a lot of things in together, and I'm. You know, I'm kind of afraid that since he's going to screw the pooch here, but I do have a lean to Tennessee minus his three and a half. I do think it'll go up to four by the time we're in Vegas. Um, and it's just an easy read, which, again, scares me. But um, Cincinnati lost their best run stuffer, uh, Oban Joby. You know, they were okay. They were, you know, they were only okay before that. They're bad now. Actually, the PFF grade. Uh, the since he has versus the run is 47.6, so not good. And for reference, we talked about last week, or, or you did, you know, I had it in the notes, um, that San Francisco had the rush advantage against Dallas, and Dallas has a PFF rush defense grade of 42.5. So 47.6 for Cincy. It's not, it's same scenario. They're not going to be able to stop the run here. Um, <clears throat> fresh legs for Henry, obviously, everybody knows that. Um, Last week was the fucking Super Bowl win for Cincinnati. There, this is a natural letdown spot. If you can have one in the playoffs, this is it. A team that hasn't won a playoff game in 30 years. Fucking coach was going around to bars, handing out game balls to, to the fans. Like, this is the... Somehow, someway, this is a letdown spot in the playoffs. Uh, the last 11 games for Tennessee on defense, they are only allowing 17.5 points per game. So I do think they'll be able to... And their style fits... Versus Burrow, which uh, the style that slows Burrow down. They're not a heavy blitzing team. Burrow has the most success success against blitzing teams, obviously, because he can bombs away with that fantastic receiving core that he has. Um, so I just everything, literally everything, points to Tennessee to me in this game. Um, Vrabel eight and zero with nine or more days to prepare. Fantastic. So I mean, the coaching edge is is with Tennessee. So. It scares me, Bo Sivas, because it's the first game, and I don't want to fucking blow a bunch of parlays and, and, and bets and whatever. But, yeah, I'm, if there's going to be a blowout, I think this is it. All right, well, if that scares you, here's something else that should scare you. is that teams with Tennessee's power ranking, since we've been tracking it, in the divisional round at the power ranking they've been, 0-4 straight up and 1-3 against the spread. Oh, fuck. But... Here's the thing. You get a major upgrade with Henry coming back, and a lot of Tennessee's games this year have been without one, if not two, or both of their top weapons. So I think if there's any time to kind of discount that, it's got to be in this game. And I generally don't up and downgrade teams a lot over their players, but when you're missing all your playmakers and your best player, I think that has to be a factor in this. Now, something on your side... The better power rating team on the road, which is Cincy, in this game, in the divisional round per our power rankings, one and two straight up, one and two versus the spread. So, generally, what that means is these teams have come in with a better power ranking, but they're playing a team at home with home field advantage, and they generally don't win and they generally do not cover. Now, to the Joe Burrow point. And since he point, what I have is Joe Burrow has played six games this year with a quarterback rating of under 100. 
In those six games, he's lost four of them straight up, and he's 2-4 ATS. In all six of those games, he faced teams that blitzed, as you said, at league average or worse, which means he's better, obviously. When he's going one-on-one in coverage, which some people think that's because of his information processing ability, he's so smart, I don't think so. I think it's because he's got two badasses on the outside, and he knows they're going to be one-on-one, so he just gives them chances to win, and they generally do because they're fucking badasses. Now, inside those six games, all four that he lost were against four teams that play a cover three base. Their only win in that type of defense in the six was versus the Raiders, which in the regular season, again, was all because of the turnovers they committed in that game. Also, three of the four losses came against teams who were above average on sacks and sack rate, even without the blitzing and play coverage on the back end. Tennessee hits both of those buckets, so this is an absolutely terrible matchup for Joe Burrow and the Bengals on offense. The Titans on the flip side have lost five games, three of which were to top 14 in DVOA on uh, defense. Since he's 19th, which one of those two teams Tennessee lost to was the New York Jets, and that was a game, which we called, by the way, that Tennessee was literally missing every offensive weapon they have. Now, the only other team that they lost to is Houston. And they also almost lost to them again, a division clinching needed win in Week 18. Now, Houston was 23rd in DVOA, which is way worse than Cincy. So that caused me to dig into that. So there's obviously something that Houston does that bothers Tennessee that really doesn't bother many other teams. Well, what I found in digging in was it's because Houston still plays or now plays again, the Tampa 2, which is an outdated NFL defensive scheme. But it's still ran as a base by Lovey Smith, who was their defensive coordinator this year in Houston. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Lovey Smith played the Tampa 2 by five more percentage points than he did than any other team did in college in his last season in Illinois. So mm-hmm. now why would that give Tennessee fits? Well, because that defense was very popular and most effective, when teams in the NFL were built in the early 2000s to do exactly what Tennessee does. Run the ball first to set up two to three man routes and behind it play action. Well, since he doesn't do that, they play cover one, which Miami plays, and so does Kansas City. Both two of those games are two of Tannehill's top games on the season. And then they primarily play cover one in San Francisco is. They, then they primarily play cover one on third down with a blitz. And so does San Francisco. That's another one of his top games. And they play cover one and pressure, like I said, on third down. So basically every defense at Tannehill's seen like this is his top three games of the season. Okay. So overall, I've got Tennessee in this game. The numbers are on Cincy. But again, Tennessee's peaking health-wise. And this is the first... You know, QB start on the road for Burrow. Now, Burrow's only lost two games on the road all year, but he's also only played two teams with a winning record on the road, and that was to Pittsburgh and the Raiders. Both ended up negative in our power rankings, and both got tossed in the first round. That's his only two wins were against those two teams. And in fact, they've only beaten three teams all year with a winning record, period. Pittsburgh, the Raiders, and Kansas City. Kansas City was a home game. 
and it was Burrow's best game of his entire career. So at three and a half, I got to lean Titans. I think the Titans dominate this game. They have every matchup. It's like the San Francisco-Dallas game last week. I think this is the mismatch of the week, and I agree with you. This one could and should get ugly. Yeah, man, I love all that, and I agree with all that, obviously. So let's – Let's get this first game out of the out of the way with a nice, easy win and perfect call. All right, we're going to move on to the Saturday night football game, and it's those Green Bay Packers, <laughs> and they're hosting those San Francisco 49ers, and they're now down to a five-and-a-half-point home favorite. Yeah, and I don't think I can do this handicap, Bo Cephas, without getting a little dangerous because this is the Danger Zone game of the week. All right, obviously, look, I, I mean, everything to me in the matchup in this game points to San Francisco. It is, it, you know, everything I everything I dug into pointed to San Francisco. The trenches, the matchups, uh, even, even digging in deeper, everything pointed to San Francisco. The reason it's dangerous is fucking very obvious because you have fucking Aaron Rodgers on the other side who, you know, at five and a half, now it's at a dead number. Six point win and you're fucking toast. So it is a little dangerous, but it's nothing that's going to take me off of the San Francisco lean. Um, so in this game, <clears throat> Green Bay's worst PFF grade on the entire, like when you pull a PFF and you've got the premium subscription, it's got a fucking litany of grades across the screen. The lowest one that stands out like a sore thumb is the rush defense. Uh, it is 53.4. And it just sticks out like like they're a great team. They're a great rated team overall. It's it's the one glaring weakness. Um, another thing if we dig a little deeper that they're weak against is the tight ends. They're 28th in the league versus tight ends. Obviously, Kittle should find plenty of room. Now, you got the battle tested San Francisco 49ers. They six out of eight weeks they've been on the road. They've been fighting for their playoff lives uh, for for several weeks versus the rested team. Green Bay is getting healthier. Uh, and actually, I heard today Bakhtiari, who came back last week, he's questionable. I guess he got hurt in his first game back. So we'll see about that. But other than that, they're getting Jair Alexander back. Alexander back. Um, they're going to be as healthy as they can be. Now, the last I heard, both Stevens is Jimmy's playing and looking okay in practice. Warner and Bosa are going to play. So I'm just assuming that's going to stay uh, the same throughout the rest of this week until game time. That's the only way I can judge that. Um, so, you know, it, again, it's the it's the battle-tested, fighting for their lives versus the rested and healthy. With that matchup advantage in the trenches for San Francisco, I am going to lean that way. Um, and one last thing, I'm going to throw it to you. <clears throat> so, Green Bay, in very recent weeks, has played Cleveland and Minnesota. Both running, heavy running football teams. And in those games, they laid seven points and then six and a half points to Minnesota before uh, Cousins got ruled out and that changed that line and changed the whole game. But before he got ruled out, it was seven to to Cleveland, six and a half to Minnesota. San Francisco is a better team to both of them. And, you know, before before today, they were they were laying six. So I, I absolutely think the value 
is is to San Francisco here. And if you remember, Cleveland had every chance in the fucking world to win that game. Every chance in the world. And and we all we all know that Minnesota matches up well with Green Bay. They've beat them two out of the three last times, I think, with Cousins. So there's a fundamental matchup advantage to San Francisco in this game. I hate the dead number at five and a half. I'm hoping it ticks back up to six. If it does tick, up, tick back up to six, I know that we're going to catch it. We hope it's there in, in Vegas when we get out there. So, again, it's dangerous because you got baby goat over there, but lean to San Francisco. Man, so you're telling you're going to bet against Aaron Rodgers at home in the playoffs? Oh, just when I thought you couldn't be any dumber, <laughs> you go and totally redeem yourself. Man, I like that fucking pick. I like that fucking lean. Uh, now, San Francisco is the better team in our power ranking. Again, 1-2 and two on the road, 1-2 ATS. But this is one of those games that I was talking about from that 27-3 ATS from the straight-up winner. I think we might get one of those splits here, honestly, with uh, maybe Green Bay winning. But you're absolutely right about this number. First of all, San Francisco was minus 3.5 in the first game. Now they're plus 5.5 here. That number is way off per our power rankings. Now, Green Bay does have the best home field advantage left in the playoffs. There's no doubt about that. But still, too many fucking points. Uh, If you look back in that first matchup, Green Bay won a miracle game that admittedly just... And I love that you put this in the danger zone because only Aaron Rodgers could have pulled that off, right? And he played well. Adams went off. He had like 11 catches. I don't know how many yards. And Jimmy G was his usual average self against good teams. But San Francisco had that game won. And they didn't run, run the ball worth a shit. They only had 63 total yards rushing. And Aaron Rodgers won that game with 37 seconds left and no timeouts. They had to get all the way into field goal range. So it took literally... He's the only dude who can pull it off. So I love that it's a danger zone game. But if you look inside the game, and this points to a couple of things you said, if you look at San Francisco overall, they're 8-2 and two straight up in their last 10. And they have rushed for over 100 yards in every single one of those wins and neither of the two losses. So San Francisco has definitely found their groove. And to point to your fact about that, how bad Green Bay is running the ball against running the ball on defense. They're 29th in rushing DVOA. You got to remember that first game was what, week three, week four, something like that? Very early in the season. Now, on the flip side of that, Green Bay has lost four games on the season. But honestly, they've only really lost two. They lost to KC with no Rodgers, and they lost the last game, which Rodgers only played one half. And on top of that, they're 12 and 5 ATS. And one of those losses, again, was the game at the end of the season. And another game that I had to throw out at this point was the first game of the season. So, really, they only didn't cover three games. But two of those three games they didn't cover were against Baltimore and Cleveland, as you mentioned. And they were the most recent, both of which are top 11 in rushing DVOA on offense. San Francisco is number five. And, again, trending up. And in both of those games, Green Bay gave up over 150 yards rushing. Now, Green Bay did win both of those games, but only by a combined three points. And like you said, Baker had four interceptions <laughs> in that game that they won against Cleveland. So on summation, this is actually kind of a really handicap for me. If San Francisco gets their running game rolling, they cover this spread easy, and they have a chance to win. If they don't, they're going to get smoked. 
The last thing I have on Green Bay, they've only allowed 100 yards rushing in four out of their last 11 games. Or Sorry, they allowed 100 yards rushing in four of their first 11 games before the bye. Not counting game one. Mm-hmm. But after the bye... Three out of five games, they've allowed over 130 yards rushing. Uh oh. And in the last two, they didn't. But again, that was against Minnesota, and that was against their backup quarterback, which they only had 200, 200 yards of total offense. Period. That was never a game. And the last game of the season, which again, I don't really count for them or against them. So basically, the last three full games they played versus a real opponent, they've given up over 130 yards rushing. In each one. So, San Francisco, I love in this game. And I'm probably not going to be scared to sprinkle a little money line on San Francisco on an individual bet. Anything in a parlay, I'll probably go Green Bay because, again, it is Aaron Rodgers at home. I think he finds a way to fucking pull it out. But this, just like the Dallas game we said, this is a bad matchup for Green Bay. It's just a bad matchup for this football team. Yeah, man, I you know, this is going to be a hard decision because <sighs> – Everything we need to pick a side here. Like when we get to Vegas, obviously we'll have a ton of tickets. Um, so, so this has nothing to do with with like the plus five and a half or hopefully plus six. When we're in Vegas and we're laying these tickets down, we need to just pick a side because because unless you just want to like in any kind of part, like you want to put like just the plus five and a half or plus six, that that's fine. But if you really want that big payout on the parlay. You put that money line on San Fran, and you're talking about a huge payout. And if and if everything is the way we're talking, um, there's lots of paths to victory here for San Francisco. And it would not shock either one of us if they do. Like I don't think it's going to shock anybody if they win this game. It would be shocking if they won it handily, of course. It's going to shock everybody's balls off if, if they, they win, win the game. You think? Not- I mean, not the sharpest of the sharps like us, but yeah, the general public. Are you fucking kidding oh, me? Of course, but I mean, I don't care about them, but like. We all know that. <laughs> Fuck you, people. <laughs> yeah, we, we all know that Aaron Rodgers is—he's going to have a chance to win, even if they are struggling. He's going to keep them in the game. So, you know, if we put San Francisco on a money line, we'll be—you know—even if it's a close game or they have the lead most of the game, Green Bay's going to have a chance to win that game. Um, I'm just—I'm just trying to think ahead to to the biggest payouts, and yeah. I would hate if we didn't commit to what we're saying and we missed a huge payout by being too chicken shit because it's Aaron Rodgers on the other side. Well, here here is my only caution then. I had no problem playing San Francisco on the money line versus Dallas uh, because San Francisco, quite frankly, was just a better football team by our power rankings and it was a and terrible matchup for matchup, Dallas. Yeah. And But on top of that, as much as everybody wants to think about Dak, he's not any better than Jimmy G. They're the same level. Now, Game to game, one's better, one's worse. Who gives a shit? But Aaron Rodgers is so much better than Jimmy G. Like you said, he can keep them in the game. And that's what scares me about playing San Francisco on the money line. But on the flip side of that, and it's the same thing I said to some of the Cowboys fans that follow us last week. It's like, look, dude. Because like, they were like, oh, I'd rather play San Francisco than Arizona. Kyler Murray's so much better. I'm like, look, I'm not going to argue with you, but here's what I will tell you. <clears throat> Kyler Murray has to be spectacular for Arizona to win that game, which he was in the first one. Jimmy G just has to be average to beat the Cowboys. And quite frankly, Jimmy G just has to be a little bit above average 
to beat Green Bay, which he absolutely is capable of doing. So if you tell me that's my variance that, you know, a, a slightly above average quarterback has to be slightly above average and basically play at his peak to win a game, I like that. Now, Aaron Rodgers, I think to win this game is going to have to be Aaron Rodgers, which absolutely he can play at his peak and do the same thing. Now, which one's going to happen? Green Bay at home, Aaron Rodgers. That's what that's what my hesitation is on, on betting San Francisco in a parlay on the money line. Now, individually, I'm definitely going to be taking a flyer on San Francisco on the money line for sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's the way to get at it. Just do an individual at the plus 200, roughly, that you're looking at. Yeah, because you win that ticket, you cover everything anyway. Yeah, okay. That, that makes sense. All right, moving on. We're going to go to Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And we're the first game. Those Los Angeles Rams are visiting Tom Brady and the GOAT sitting there at a three-point home favorite. Yeah, by the time this game gets going on Sunday morning, I am going to be having to hit the coffee, coffee, coffee pretty hard after, <laughs> after, what, after what I do to myself on Saturday night. But that's okay because I'm also gonna, I'm also gonna hit that sounder. That is right. This is my upset. I, I did not see it going this way. I really didn't at the beginning of the week. I was like, oh. I can't. Like, it's the GOAT. I'm not going to go against him. And everything that I got into was screaming the Rams here. Um, you know, bes- besides the fact that when you go up to that window or you click on your computer and you hit that button, you're going against the GOAT. And you just, it's, that doesn't make, that, that could, this could be the second danger zone game of the week for the same reasons. But, you know what? I gotta, I gotta call it like I see it. It's a team game. There's 22 men on the field at one time. So as great as Tom Brady is, he does lose games. It does happen. So I got, I gotta go with what with the way it looks. Uh, L.A. the Rams, they're as healthy as they've ever been, and all the additions that they've added to make this Super Bowl run, they're all peaking. Von Miller, OBJ, uh, they're as strong as they've ever been. Settling in with this new team. And now they got Akers coming back. Added spark to the running game uh, and fresh legs. On the other side of the of the ball, it just feels like the other way around for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay players are breaking down. They're getting hurt. The strain of playing the most games of any team in the last two years seems to be taking a toll on them. Uh, last I heard is that Wirfs is almost definitely out. The right tackle, all pro right tackle, and the center Jensen is probably going to play. Um, <clears throat> but again, they're going up against Donald, Von Miller, and Leonard Floyd. Uh, that's that's a hellacious uh, pass rush to go against when you've got injury concerns on your offensive line. Now, also, the formula to beating Tampa Bay and the goat has always been this strong four man rush, and you flood the zones with the back seven. So the formulas there, the injuries uh, for one team, healthy on the other, everything's pointing to him. Ramsey can lock up Evans. It's, it, Evans is really their only true, true weapon. I know Gronk is, is still a weapon, but but a game-changing deep threat uh, weapon. Ramsey can can lock him up. And as far as the tight ends go, L.A. is fourth DVOA versus the tight ends. So even with Gronk in there, for whatever reason – 
was you know X's and O's. I, I'm, I'm not an expert at that, but whatever they do, it's good against the tight ends. Um, last thing I'll throw to you, Stafford is one of the best quarterbacks versus the blitz this year, and Tampa Bay is the heaviest blitzing team in the league. So, Sounder, Rams win, the GOAT, you know, he is the GOAT, but he does lose. He does lose. He definitely does lose. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to play a little devil's advocate on you on right. this one, but in full disclosure, this is probably my biggest toss-up of the week, but I dove in both ways and tried to find as much as I could, so here we go. All right. Now, Tampa Bay is the better power rating team at home in this round. That team is 8-1 and one straight up and 6-3 and three ATS. So when you are better at home in the divisional round, you usually win, obviously, and you usually cover the spread at about a 66% clip. The numbers are also on agreement all the way across the board on Tampa Bay. Now, uh, said it before, what Tampa Bay loses to is a great defense. I said it last week, I think, on the on the uh, podcast, and Philly obviously wasn't. That's why I was so big on Tampa Bay being a blowout. They've lost three games. Oh, sorry, they've lost to three teams all year. Saints, number three, DVOA. Rams. Number five, DVOA, and the Skins, who are 27. <laughs> now, you might think that the Skins are the outlier, but the three things that all three th- of those teams have in common, they were all three top eight in rushing in DVOA. Now, you might also think, well, Tampa Bay doesn't run much, so who gives a shit? And in fact, they only run 23 attempts per game, which is 30th in the league, and by far the lowest of any team with a winning record. But... They were fourth most efficient in the league when they did run the ball by DVOA, which is easily explainable because they have the GOAT at quarterback, and he's just that good at putting them at the right play at the right time. But if you take away that efficiency from them, it is a huge advantage to the other team because Tom has to do things Tom has to do things he has to do rather than things he wants to do. And Longhorn, as every man can relate as we get older, we're way better at doing things that we want to do than things we have to do. So, if you look back at the first game against uh, Tampa and the Rams, Tampa Bay's leading rusher was Tom Brady with 14 yards, which is a prime example of things he had to do rather than things he wanted to do. Now, also in that game, the Rams got up big early and never really let Tampa Bay back in the game, which that is the key, boys and girls, to Rams' victories. They give up the fifth fewest points in the first half this season, and they also scored the eighth least in the first half. But the big that being a difference of around four points to the good for them. Tampa Bay, on the flip side, has scored the second most points of the season, and giving up the 10th least. Their difference is around five points to the good. So really, that's strength on strength. And the Rams got the best of them in the first meeting of that. Now, the Bucks were outscored in the first half five times. In the first, or yeah, scored outscored first, five times in the first half, and they lost four of those games. And all five of them came to teams that play the cover three as their primary defense. So clearly, that defense gives Brady trouble, and obviously, 
That's what the Rams play under their defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris. Now, Brady did beat Morris last year in Atlanta and played well in both those games, but he was 1-1 ATS, which shows that even with inferior talent that Morris did have in the Rams, his scheme was enough to give Brady trouble. He failed to meet expectations their first meeting. But the second meeting, Brady blew them out and threw for four touchdowns. So a lot like his teacher, Bill, you know, Brady does get better the more times he sees you. And just like we said last week, the more times Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator for Tampa, sees you, the better he does as well. And this will be his second time to see Stafford in this offense. In the first meeting, Stafford threw for 343, four touchdowns, zero picks, and had a rating of 134, which outside of the first game of the season and the second Arizona game in the last part of the season was his highest passer rating of the year. But Stafford has been trending down. His first eight games of the season, his passer rating was 119.03. His last game, 92.65, which is a round league average. And his worst two games of that stretch were against Minnesota and San Francisco, who play the exact same style of defense that Tampa Bay plays. Now, on the other side of that, Stafford had two of his best games against Arizona, beating them two out of three very badly, and they blitzed the fourth highest clip of the NFL. Like you said, Tampa Bay continues to be the highest blitz rate in the NFL, and that got them beat badly also in this matchup. The difference is Arizona does it from a cover one base, which means man-on-man every time, whereas Tampa Bay does it from a cover three, which mixes some zone or some man, some zone with a man behind it. But it still obviously was not effective. Now, Tampa Bay blitzed 39% of the time last season, but in the Super Bowl, they only blitzed 15% of the time against Mahomes after he beat them the first game pretty badly, if you remember that. I mean, I know they came back and made a game of it, but they did make the huge adjustment. So, in conclusion, what I have on this game, the Rams do have what it takes to stop Brady and his offense on their defense. But, you know, you have to think once Brady's seen him once, he'll play better. And now that Bowles has seen Stafford and the rest of the league, obviously, has caught up to Stafford, not just this defense, but the whole rest of the league has caught up to him. What they're doing the second half of the season, he'll make the adjustments to what he's seen on on tape. I mean, I hear you, and I don't disagree with you, but I have to lean to Tampa Bay and Tommy Boy one more time just based on his knowledge and his coaching staff's knowledge and the advantage that I think that they have overall because as good as McVay is, quite honestly, his offense only does one thing. And if you figure out how to stop it, then you pretty much got it stopped. And you can, you know, on defense, it's going to be a struggle for Tampa Bay for sure. And I'll get to that in uh, my free picks later. But I think this might be the game of the week, and it's a tough call for me. It really is. It's the toughest call of the weekend. Huh. I'll, pro- I'll probably have Tampa Bay on the money line. Ah, minus three. I don't know, man. It's gonna. Be, it, it's a tough game. I but mean, I, I, I do agree with you. The Rams have every matchup advantage, and you know, scheme advantage. It's it's gonna be the only reason why I'm leaning Tampa Bay is just because of the adjustments that I know Brady can make, and I've seen Todd Bowles make as his defensive coordinator against teams that have beat him badly the first time around. I mean, yeah, it's not. I mean, I was going to be surprised if Tampa Bay wins this game, obviously, but I just, I have seen, and you you said it, we've seen, we've all seen when Brady struggles, this is when it is. 
Um, so yeah, it's it can it can I will be on the plus three. I, I, I obviously I guess we're gonna be we're gonna be opposite of this when we're in Vegas. I'll be on the plus three. I'll be on the money line with the Rams tied into a bunch of things. Um, honestly, this wasn't. This it turned out to not be that hard of a call for me. Um, um, especially with with the plus three. The next game, however, was my tough one. It, the, the last thing I'll say about that game is that that line has not moved off the three, and I think there's a reason for that. And I think it's maybe a little bit of Vegas suckering people in. And like I said, the Stafford trend line has been pretty dramatically down. I mean, obviously last week against Arizona in the playoffs he played well, but he he owns that team. I mean, McVay is what nine and one now against Arizona and, and Cliff Kingsbury, fucking coach bro, like. They just own that team, so. Well, I'm so. looking at the ticket. I mean, it's the 65 percent of the cash is coming in on Tampa. I mean, and and 58 percent of the tickets are coming in on LA. So, you know, most of the cash is coming in on Tampa. So if it's going to move anywhere, anywhere, it would be to three and a half. And they certainly do not want to put out three and a half to LA. No, so. they're not going to do that. Right. So that explains why the why it's just deadlocked. So. Yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll see where it moves. Uh, obviously, we're on. Uh, but again, I'm not saying I'm not going to stand up here and say you're wrong. I just for every bit of the handicap, you're right. It's just at the end of the day, who can make? The, I mean, they've seen each other. Who can make the better adjustments? McVeigh doesn't adjust. We've seen that. We've seen people that've seen him, you know, multiple times, especially in the playoffs. Eventually, they get the better of that offense. Now, can Stafford be the difference? Absolutely. He could also be the difference the other way. He can can make me tear up my tickets for sure. No doubt. No doubt. But I I think it's going to be a fucking fantastic game. I can't wait to see it. All right, moving on. Last game of the weekend, the Sunday night football game. Those Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Buffalo Bills, and they're down now to one-and-a-half-point home favorites. Holy shit, that is moving. Okay, so this is my this is my toughest call. Uh, struggled with this one mightily, but I eventually came to a lean on Kansas City, and I know for a fact that we are on opposite sides here. Um, but I will caveat that by saying that I do, I do have Buffalo in a tease up to plus eight and if it's at one and a half you could you could tease it up to still the seven and a half which is good but as far as winning the game i'm going to be on kansas city um all the money like is coming in on buffalo obviously that's why the line's going down they smashed this team earlier in the year in kansas city can you do that twice to a really good team in the same year I don't know, and this is for all the marbles. Obviously, this is the monkey on the back game for Buffalo. This is kind of what they built. Well, not kind of. This is exactly what they built and spent their entire offseason doing was for this game. Um, Now, they did get one monkey off their back with New England last week, and that's great, but New England is a different animal than Kansas City. This is a legit quarterback, legit team. Um, So, perfect game last week for 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 Buffalo and specifically Josh Allen. Man, I mean we talk about it all the time, the bounce back theory, the I think you have a different word for it, but it's basically the same thing. It is hard in the NFL to even put back-to-back good games together. When you put a perfect game out on tape, there's a there's 
undoubtedly going to be a natural bounce back from that. Um, now, Buffalo has also faced the easiest schedule versus uh, versus uh, opposing passing teams, and they haven't faced a good passing team since they lost Tredavious White, their, their Pro Bowl cornerback. So this will be a test for them there that they have not had in the past. On the Kansas City on the Kansas City side, you know we talked about all in the in the beginning of the year. We know that the struggles they had on defense. We know that they changed their defensive scheme and the and alignments. You know with with specific players, Chris Jones moving from in, from outside back to inside where he belongs. That's that's changed the dynamics of this defense. On the offensive side of the ball, we've also talked about. They couldn't figure out this, uh, you know, this this cover, whatever the scheme was, the X and O scheme that they were having trouble with. You'll probably get into it. They seem to have cracked that code a little bit. Now, Mahomes is still putting the ball into harm's way. This is just what he is. It's what he does. I don't think he'll ever change that. Uh, he will have turnover-worthy plays. For what? In the beginning of the year, they were all turning into turnovers. Lately, they haven't been. Uh, but they've also made strategic efforts to try to be more patient on offense, let things come to them a little bit more. And and McKinnon, Jared McKinnon, the running back, little tiny June bug, he has been a godsend for them in this in this little late season run. You can tell when he's getting the ball out of the, in the passing game, he has fresh legs. He is he is uh, he's been a, he's been an answer for them in the in the short passing game, forcing them to be more patient. So again. It's my weakest handicap. I could easily see Buffalo winning this game. I just don't think that Buffalo is a good enough team. And we've seen in the, this year, they're not a great team. They've had hiccups. Uh, they're not a dominant great team. I can't see a non-dominant team going into Kansas City twice in one year and knocking off this team. Um, so, soft lean to Kansas City for me. Again, I've got Buffalo in a teaser up to eight. Um, we disagree, so I'm curious to hear what you got. Yeah, he said it was a soft lane, so I won't kill you too bad for being totally wrong on this. Um, <laughs> Kansas City and the power ranking bracket that they fit in in our power rankings, sales teams in the divisional round 0-2 straight up, 0-2 ATS historically. Buffalo in their bracket 3-1 straight up, 3-1 ATS. Now, getting in the game. You said that you can't see them going in and beating a, a great team twice at home. Well, Kansas City is far from a great team. They're they're above average, but not by much. Kansas City's only beaten two teams all year that have scored more than 24 points in a competitive game. The only other game they won was versus the Eagles, and they were up by 19 points, and the Eagles scored a touchdown with four seconds to go to make that 30. They only had 23 before that. The two teams they did beat, in competitive games that scored more than 24 with Cleveland week one, 33-29 and the Chargers and I think it was week 15 or 16, 34-28 overtime. Buffalo scores on average 29.4 points per game this season. And in fact, every team the Chief lost to this year scores more than 24 points per game with the exception of Baltimore. And that was week two when Baltimore was still Baltimore. And all things being equal, they ended up at 23 points per game. So you got to think if they had had Lamar and all their injuries, they probably would have picked up that other point in a quarter or whatever to make them over 24. So essentially you could say that every team they have lost to scores more than 24 points per game. 
Now, the Chiefs have won 10 out of the last 12 games, including last week versus Pittsburgh, since losing to Buffalo. But in those 10 wins, only five of those teams had winning records. One of them was Green Bay. That was without Rodgers. you got to throw that out. So now it's four teams with winning records. And in those nine games, again, excluding Green Bay, they've only beaten two teams that averaged more than 24 points per game. That's Dallas. And that was without Cooper, and they lost CeeDee Lamb in the first half. And the Chargers, that was a great game overtime, but the Chargers did beat them early in the year. So in this 10 out of 12 winning streak, they've only had exactly one quality win versus a full-strength opponent and two wins versus a team that scores more than 24 points per game. Now the first five games, including the Bills, they were 2-3 and three and only had one win versus a team that scored more than 24 points per game. And again, that game was the Eagles game. They had 23 points with four seconds left. So take that for what it's worth. So basically, the Chiefs have had two to three quality wins at most this entire season. They've only played four teams versus the top 12 in DVOA all season in defense, and they went two and two straight up and one and three ATS. And in those four games, Patrick Mahomes' QBR was a 48 on average. His QBR for the season was a 62.4. So huge drop off on that. Now on the Buffalo side, the worst loss they took was to a decent team because they did lose a couple of shit sticks like you said but the worst loss they had to a good team was Indy who is number two DVOA in Russian because if you can run on Buffalo and keep that high flying offense off the field then you do have a chance so the only way I see Kansas City pulling this off is to be able to establish the run which they have ran for over 100 yards in five out of the last seven games which tells me that Andy Reid is recognizing his quarterback is not playing that well relative to him, and he's making a fundamental shift. However, the two games they did not reach 100 yards in that stretch were against the two best DVOA teams against the run that they faced during that stretch. They were 14th and 16th. Buffalo is 9th. What, what two games? Uh, I forget the two opponents. Did they, did they win those games? They did win the games. Okay. They were 14th and 16th. All right. Buffalo is 9th in rushing DVOA. And in fact, Kansas City has only played three teams that are better rushing DVOA defense than Buffalo, and they didn't run for 100 yards in any of those games. So if Kansas City can break through that major trend, or those major trend lines, then yeah, I think they win. But I'm going to go with the entire season of data and what it's told me. Kansas City is very much overrated in the public. Uh, Buffalo has been a better football team from the beginning okay. of the season to the end of the season. And unless that big dummy from Wyoming shits his pants, then this is Buffalo all the way for me. Okay, let's push back a little bit. Uh, let's have some back and forth because because I – you're okay, here's, here's what I'm hearing from you. You're taking a full season worth of data of Kansas City when I clearly said, and, we, and you clearly know, that fundamentally – Things have changed for them. You just admitted it. Now, uh, so so that that's a fundamental thing you can point at of something that's changed that changes the equation halfway through or roughly halfway through. Now, you were sitting there talking about all these quality wins that Kansas City has, and it's only like a couple. I'm trying to find the quality win for Buffalo. Can you help me? No, that's a fair pushback, but what I did break it up to was I broke it up to their first five, which they weren't very good, and then even when they have won 10 out of 12, I showed you very clearly 
They haven't played anybody, and they haven't played anybody with the quality of offense or Buffalo. Buffalo. KC. So KC hasn't had a quality win in ten. It, so the no, Chargers. I'm in, their la- in their last twelve weeks, the Chargers are a quality win. They've had two quality wins. The Chargers won. I'm I'm counting the Cowboys as a quality win, even though the Cowboys were not obviously at full strength. The major point was they haven't beat anybody that can actually score the football in the last twelve games. Um, and besides again, they won, the Chargers. Right, besides the Chargers, which I gave them that win, and I gave them the Cowboys a quality win too, even though, like I said, the Cowboys were undermanned. So even okay. when they're playing their best football, they played a bunch of teams that can't score the ball, and Buffalo scores based essentially thirty points per game. Okay, so then so now I, do now do Buffalo with the same metric. I I mean, you want me to do that on fly? That's well, take I mean, too just long like, to pocket. Well, I'm not. We'll just. <laughs> You're, you're I, taking I, I, I did look at I did look at that side too, and Buffalo has beaten teams that score the ball better than Kansas City. However, what they can't do is beat teams like Indianapolis that can run the ball dominantly. Which Kansas City again, I get that five of the last seven they've done well, but against the two best teams they played, they didn't. And Buffalo's better than both of those teams. So if you can't run the ball and keep Josh Allen, it's almost the reverse of what we've said about Patrick Mahomes the last two years. Kansas City's offense is actually a little bit their detriment now. Like, they if they are out there too long, they get exposed for what they are. So if they can't run the ball and it's all on Patrick Mahomes to throw it, that, that plays right in the hands of Buffalo. The more possessions that Buffalo gets, the worse your chance is to win this game because Josh Allen is, quite frankly, just a better quarterback at this point this season. Actually, the last two seasons, Josh Allen has been a better quarterback if you want to be real about it. I know that's unpopular and I've never been a fan of Josh Allen. You've never been a fan of Josh Allen. And yeah, Patrick Mahomes I think is the better quarterback overall, but right now he's not. And Josh Allen's on fire. And if you let him have the ball as many times as you want, and if it goes up and down and becomes a shootout, I got advantage Buffalo there. If it's a low scoring game, then yeah, I think Kansas City's got a shot. But you know the total's fifty four, so Vegas isn't expecting that. So I, I just I don't see other than Josh Allen going out there and shitting his pants, which is absolutely possible. He's got some Stafford in him for sure. But unless he does that, I, I don't see a path to victory for Kansas City. I really don't. Oh man. Yeah, well, I mean look well obviously we disagree, so there's no point in going back and forth too much, but um that is that is the path to victory for me is control with with the uh the the running game and, and play defense and keep Josh off the field and wait for him to make eh, again it's going to be whoever makes the boneheaded decisions and the boneheaded mistake um but i don't expect buffalo to be able to run the ball in this game even though they they've shown a better they don't have uh, to though well i mean they don't they don't have to run the ball they they can score however they want to score they score 30 points a game by not even trying to run the ball yeah, against against really bad teams. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, yeah. they they scored almost thirty against Tampa Bay too, and Tampa Bay is like top five DVOA defense overall. So, not at that point. Not at that point is when they were they were ravaged by defensive injuries. But I mean, point taken. Um, I don't know, man. Like I, again, hopefully, look here's here's the dream scenario. <laughs> hopefully, all of our parlays. Have have gone. Hopefully, hopefully Tennessee covers. Hopefully, um, San Fran covers. 
and well, I guess we're the opposite on Tampa. Hopefully, you put Tampa on the money line. I put LA with a plus three. Hopefully, the, hopefully those both. <laughs> hit, those, and we're going in the we're going into Sunday afternoon, Sunday night in Vegas, licking our wounds, uh, drinking mimosas, whatever it is we got to do. And you can be on Buffalo. I'll be on Kansas City, and we will just we'll just cheers and sit back and watch the show. Yeah, uh, hopefully that is the way it works out. Uh, but either way, boys and girls, we hope you enjoy this extensive breakdown at, on the divisional playoff round, which I'm sure, here's what, I, here's what I'm positive of. Best you won't way. get a better breakdown. You won't get more extensive than anywhere else than right here at FGH. And that, I, I'd lay any amount of money on. I promise you that. And that, boys and girls, was all. Then wins coming to the air tonight, baby! All right, boys and girls, time you've all been waiting for. It's time for those free. I said free picks of the week, baby. Longhorn, lay it on. All right, I am sticking with my guns here. This is this is divisional round playoffs. Let's just fucking go out with a bang. And I got a 13-1 four-banger. Tennessee Titans, minus three. This is not a money line parlay, so this is mix and match. Tennessee Titans, minus three and a half. San Francisco plus six. I bought it up to six. If you, if you got to buy it, buy it. Six is a key number. L.A. Rams on the money line and Buffalo Bills on the money line. And this four banger pays 13 to one. Again, Tennessee minus three and a half. San, Fr- San Francisco buy up to plus six. L.A. Rams and Buffalo Bills. And we all do the money dance. Everybody does the money dance. Here comes one more money dance. I've got a Five team parlay. Oh, this one pays twenty one to one. Now, pay attention, boys and girls. These are all first half bets. I said first half bets. Number one, San Francisco plus three and a half. First half versus Green Bay. The line again is five and a half or six. Where you can get it, three and a half. You're getting more than your money's worth there. I like that pick a lot. First half, San Francisco versus Green Bay. The under. 23 and a half. If my first part hits at plus three and a half, I feel very confident this game is going to be under 23 and a half points in the first half. Uh, third leg, Cincinnati Bengals versus Tennessee. Tennessee Titans minus two and a half in the first half. Uh, me and my buddy both feel like this is going to be a fucking ass whipping. I think laying less than a field goal in the first half, I like that a lot. Fourth leg, first half, Buffalo Bills versus Kansas City. Buffalo Plus half a point in the first half. I think Buffalo wins the game anyway, so I like that pick. And then here is the one that might leave your head scratching, but just kind of see the way I see the game playing out. First half, Buffalo versus Kansas City, under 27. Under 27. Again, the total is 54. Historically, more scoring happens in the second half than the first half of NFL games. I like this to be a tight, close game in the first half when Buffalo winning by uh, at least, or at least if they're tied, we win because it's plus half a point. If it's under 27, we win that too. Five-team parlay, 21-1. to That's what that one pays. So hopefully 
everybody is doing the money dance, the money shuffle. The midget shuffle's dead, of course, because that's what they do this time of year. But anyway, Longhorn, tell them about that fabulous website one more time. Well, I think uh, you didn't catch it. I, I Just looking at my screen, did I say Buffalo on the last leg of mine? If I you, did, I meant Kansas City. You did say Buffalo. I was like, okay. oh, he switched over. Sorry, no. I was just looking at my screen. I'm like, I think I fucking said Buffalo. Like, that's. I hope that's not a Freudian slip there. I think that was a Freudian slip, boys and uh, girls. I think you know which way to play that fuck one. Fuck me. That just, <laughs> I don't like that at all. But, yes, the Kansas City is the last leg of my parlay. So, all right, you Glory Hole Seekers, that's going to wrap up another award-winning episode of the Football Glory Hole Podcast. We thank each and every one of you for tuning in. Y'all come back to the Sports Patio next week, and don't forget to subscribe and get a five-star rate so we can pay those bills. We give out free picks on our website, on our podcast, and also on our social media platforms, and be looking for that this weekend. There might be some live videos popping up on your feed. Drunken Longhorn and Drunken Bo Sivas in Vegas is a sight to see. So people stop being sports stupid and use them all, but more importantly, sign up for those premium picks at our website so that we may become partners for life and Bo Sivas as always in a mostly non-sexual way. People, stop throwing away your hard-earned money on a guessing game. Let the pros do the heavy lifting. So sign up, tell a friend, and join in on the fun of watching football, drinking beer, and never pay a bookie again. Come on. God damn it, people never pay a bookie again. Steven Tyler, take us out, baby.